Welcome into today's episode of Faithful Freedom. We have Dr. Richard Fleming on today, a special guest. He is he wears many hats. He uh, is an attorney, but he's also first and foremost a doctor and a scientist. He's doing a lot right now to try and take legal action and team up with attorney generals. I here in Florida, you know, my attorney general, my governor are taking legal action against these companies. And specifically though, Dr. Fleming is wanting to take legal action against this gain of function research that's been happening. So you want to hear his take on why he thinks this angle is important to tackle. Because you know here at We the Patriots USA, we are also tackling these issues and these civil rights, religious uh, rights issues, all of that from the legal standpoint as well. Um, But we want to make sure and highlight the work and that other people are doing in this arena as well. So um, make sure and stick around for that. We're also going to talk about how this technology is being used in other areas, cancer treatments, uh, other vaccines, you know, the RSV vaccine, we're hearing about the mRNA technology and that. So we really need to tackle that subject and look into this. So we're going to hear from Dr. Richard Fleming on Faithful Freedom. Where do we go from here? Because the battle has just begun. As eyes open, we continue to arm ourselves with the truth in all aspects of our lives, asking questions and relentlessly searching for answers, educating ourselves and forging a new path forward. Hear from real people faithfully pursuing freedom. This is Faithful Freedom with Taryn Gregson, presented by We the Patriots USA, a nonprofit 501c3 organization working to preserve and reclaim our God given inalienable rights. Dr. Fleming, thank you so much for joining us here. I know many of our We the Patriots USA contributors and donors are big fans of your work and everything you've been doing. Thank you for the invitation. Absolutely. So let's start off with what you guys have been doing, because we know every everyone's got it on their mind because of Project Veritas and their big bombshell this week or this last week about the gain of function or the directed evolution, as that gentleman called it. But you guys have been on the front lines of saying that this is the issue that we need to tackle and hold people accountable for for quite some time. Why did you guys hone in? on the gain-of-function research as being the biggest issue? Well, you know, when I first started getting involved in this, uh, in the virus, uh, viruses, because it's actually three viruses that we call SARS-CoV-2, that was way back in January of 2020. And after the first three months of setting up a research project and digging into the origins of these viruses, it became very clear that this was not a naturally occurring virus and that the United States, along with some other countries, but we are heavily invested in this uh, technology and research. We, you know, Our Department of Defense paid for more than half of it. Uh, Anthony Fauci's NIAID is a major contributor, but the DOD is the number one um, <clears throat> budget in this. So even by March of and April of 2020, this was becoming very clear. Uh, we were sorting through what had been manipulated, um, what monies went where, what grants were issued, what papers were published, what viruses were being developed, and where they were. <clears throat> um, one of the things that some people know is that 
uh, Fort Dietrich actually reached out with some other individuals to try to recruit me in 2021 as a physicist to work on viral projects funded by NIAID, which was probably not their best moment in history as far as, as evidence on them. Uh, they did it a couple of times. Um, uh, so it was very, very clear early on. And that action in and of itself is a violation of the Biological Weapons Convention Treaty. Um, Just asking you to, to participate in that? Is? No, no, um, no, that's just stupid. Um, <laughs> uh, asking, so the Biological Weapons Convention Treaty is building biological agents, in case viruses, <clears throat> that have no peaceful purpose. And, and again, if the DOD is invested in it, you know, the P DOD doesn't work with the Girl Scouts. You're going to find <laughs> that you have two children, they're going to get older, either Cub Scouts uh, or, or Girl Scouts, DOD is not involved with them. Uh, I know I was involved with both of those groups early <laughs> on in my life, and the DOD wasn't there. Um, so building these biological viral weapons violates the Biological Convention Treaty. Uh, Article 6 of the United States Constitution states that a treaty that the United States signs the president and ratifies Congress uh, without any limitations. And those limitations are reservations and understandings. There's also something called declarations, which have no legal impact on a treaty, but reservations and understandings would limit it. We didn't limit it. We did, however, as a country, stand up and we were the ones that prevented the treaty from being verified. So when the other countries in the world, including Russia, were willing to go along and say, we want to verify this treaty, the United States stood up and said, no, no, we're not going to have verification of this treaty, which is a little interesting if you stop mm -hmm. and think about it. So <clears throat> the data is pretty clear. And that makes it a crime in and of itself. Now, the United States has also passed a federal statute, quote, law, uh, 18 U.S.C. Section 175, also reiterates that same thing, that we won't build these weapons. Um, at the state level, this gets translated down into the consequences, which are murder, attempted murder, manslaughter, reckless manslaughter. The charges go on with assault because people have been physically attacked, um, coercion, uh, false imprisonment, you name it. So these are the crimes at the state level. There's nothing short of holding these people criminally accountable that's going to stop what's going on. You can find them. I mean, people people have commented on this, you know, the fines that Pfizer has paid. You know, early in my life, I went up against these people trying to stop them for tens of billions of dollars of, of exposure of people for extra radiation. And they thought nothing about batting me out of the way and, 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 and trying to go after me for that. If anybody thinks that Pfizer or Moderna or Janssen or anybody else is worried about billions of dollars, they're not. No. You know, this is, this is uh, the only thing that stops these people is putting them in prison. I mean, that's a good way to stop them. Um, there are other alternatives, but we'll just stay pleasant on the program for a uh, mother of two children. Um, <laughs> the reality is uh, we could find them all we want for these drug vaccine mm -hmm. biologics, but the reality is they're making new products and there's, there's no plan for them to slow down. I mean, 
And I can tell you as a cardiologist that they are, are ecstatic with their uh, technology coming out for amyloidosis, which by the way, is part of the heart disease that's occurring, not just the inflammatory response that I pioneered as a theory in 94, that explains, quote, myocarditis and all the rest sure. of that, the inflammation. But amyloidosis, which is a prion disease, which is an abnormally folded protein, is also one of the things that's being seen with the spike protein and with the vaccine. Um, <clears throat> and that prion disease in the brain produces, you know, Alzheimer's and those types of diseases. But um, they're continuing to push on that. So they're actually pushing for, and they have a vaccine now for amyloidosis. They have a vaccine for cystic fibrosis that they're coming out with. They are coming out with a cancer vaccine. Now, <clears throat> I don't know how dumb uh, you have to be to think that there is a vaccine that you could do for cancer. But when somebody comes up to me and says, you know, some, so-and-so has va uh, cancer, what should we do about it? And my response is, um, it'd help me if you'd give me a clue on what type of cancer we're talking about. Sure. Um, and they'll go, breast cancer. I'll go, great. Which one of the four major breast cancers and or minor ones are we talking about? So there's not a cancer. So mm -hmm. it's not something that you can do one thing on. And and so what is it? I Am Legend is the is the movie that was built on that premise you know, a cancer vaccine. Um, way back in early 2020, I kept telling people, if you're wondering why I'm standing here talking to you, remember every sci-fi movie you've ever seen where the, the scientists, because I'm originally a PhD uh, in, in, in physics, mm -hmm. I, didn't, I didn't think I was going to get an infectious disease, but uh, is standing there saying, um, there's a problem. And if you keep doing what we're doing, we're going to have a bigger problem. And by the end of the movie, you're trying to bail society out, which is kind of what we're doing now, right? I was going to say, um, it feels like we are in that cycle right now. Um, you're more in it than you realize. Yeah. 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 And how, explain that if you will, that we're, that we're more into it than we realize. Well, basically, unless you unless we criminally hold these people accountable, they're not going to worry about the fines and they have an agenda and they're moving on with that agenda. And, you know, there's a lot of people who say this is a depopulation thing. And, sure. and I would argue it is not. <clears throat> it's not. There's no I don't think there's anything that I haven't seen anything that would suggest to me that they're sitting there going. We're trying to depopulate the world. What they're doing is they're rolling out a series of experiments. And to do an experiment, you either need a lot of time or a lot of subjects. And you need a lot of time if you have a small amount of subjects and it just takes that amount of time. If you have a lot of subjects that are already there, it takes much less time to get to the end. And you figure out what your mistakes are. So the reality is, what they're what what's going on right now is they're saying a massive number of people and they're a part of an experiment. And that experiment is going to have some bad outcomes. But if you're on the other side arguing the scenario that what they're trying to do is make a healthier human, you know, sure. um, you're willing to take the consequence of we're gonna lose some people. <clears throat> Because we lose people all the time, right? We lose people to cancer. We lose people to heart disease. 
everybody eventually dies. What is it? The old joke that there's some movie. Um, it's, it's kind of one of those rom-com ones where the guy says, well, nobody gets out alive. Yes. You know? Um, and, 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 and we don't. So if you take it from that perspective and you believe if you're doing this type of work that it's going to make longer, healthier humans, you're willing to accept collateral damage. It's going to happen. Um, And that's really where they're moving right now. So everybody has accepted, believe it or not, unless there's a criminal calling to accountability, we have then essentially said, we may not like this, but we're accepting what you're doing, which means they have carte blanche to keep going. Mm-hmm. And if you please tell me if you know of anybody who who um, did things that were nefarious, who suddenly stopped and said, oh, I probably just shouldn't do that. That's wrong. You know, as long as they're prospering and benefiting from it, what's the motive for them not to do it? Absolutely. And to me, you know, what you're saying here, it's they're trying to play God in this scenario, basically, and that they're they're yeah, they're trying to make creation better in their in their minds. Well, you know, if you come at it from a theological point of view, let me let me pose this question to you, which is probably a challenge you haven't heard. Uh, what was it? Methuselah was the, the supposedly the oldest living 979 years or something like that. Mm-hmm. Well, if that's right, what happened? What happened? Even. Why were humans able to live hundreds, supposedly years, mm-hmm. maybe close to a thousand, and now we're we're trying to dig our way up into the 70s? What happened? Now, just hold the thought. And imagine you're a research scientist with the money mm-hmm. and the blessings of the people in power <clears throat> saying, go for it. If humans were supposed to live that long and we're not doing it now, figure out what the flaws are and correct it. Yeah. Right. I mean, I, I could see a scientist, <clears throat> you know, seeing that as an acceptable challenge as someone who is, you know, very much attuned to my faith. And, you know, that is a question that I think people do ask themselves when they're reading the Old Testament, for example, you know, many of the different people that are in the Old Testament, you see, you know, Abraham go down the list, how, how they are, Mm -hmm. you know, living for an extended period of time, you know, but you know, the idea that we should try to reverse the direction that God has put us on is a, is another, you know, type of theological argument. Carry it out theologically. Maybe, maybe that wasn't the direction that, that the creator put people on. Maybe humanity botched it up. And now the plan is to go back and to uncorrect that botch up. Yeah. Right? Oh, certainly humanity now, messed it up, you, you imagine, know, sin. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> but can you imagine the world? There, yeah, so I do. Other people on that side of the equation can make mm-hmm. a valid argument for going, well, it's our, it's our destiny to take this science and correct 
the wrong or the sin or whatever you want to call it mm -hmm. of humanity. And that is restoring us back to the creator. You can eat. They, that's an easy argument for them to make. Mm -hmm. I can see that angle. And I appreciate <clears throat> you bringing that perspective to it. So now we're in, we're in that we're in the middle of mm. their attempts <clears throat> to do that. And um, so basically what you're saying is we're going to be subjected to more and more human trials in real time here with these different <clears throat> treatments that they're trying to come out with. Yeah. The, the, the reality is there was, you know, I don't think, and I know this, not everybody agrees with me and I'm, I'm not here for everybody to agree with me or even like me. Um, I don't think that these viruses were intentionally released. I think they were working on them. Okay. Um, and they, and they accidentally got out. But what they should have done then was to say, Oops, ladies and gentlemen, okay, we, we, we need to have a, we need to have a heart to heart conversation, right? I mean, there were plenty of those. There were plenty of White House press, press briefings that could have done it somewhere along the way and said, you know, we thought we were doing this for the benefit of the United States. We, we view other countries as potential aggressors. We're always looking for what we need to do. Um, and, you know, and, and, and one of the questions that comes into, into play when people ask about that is, well, if you're going to build a weapon, don't you actually have a treatment? Well, you know, we actually demonstrated in our research study that there were several drugs that did work, and we and we also showed drugs that did not work. Um, E64, E68D or elastostatin was a drug that was being studied in 1985 that has been, there's been published research along the way, and even up through 2021, looking at elastostatin, which is a drug you cannot get, by the way, it's not a prescription available drug, even though they've shown that it prevents the attachment of viruses, a number of viruses, including SARS viruses, even though they know it prevents these viruses from replicating themselves or making more, or, and it's also been shown that a lot of uh, reduces the brain damage that occurs from these types of, of viruses and even uh, trauma, a motor injury trauma. So um, they were working with treatment cures for that. Um, uh, and, and, and in their perspective, I think that they thought they were following the logical pathway of their research. And, you know, you, some of it's hit and miss, and some of it is, is uh, more focused once you understand the mistakes that you're making. And they're collecting a huge amount of data right now. Uh, and there, and part of that data is also on how people are responding. Um, you know, there is, there's no new uh, method being used now that uh, as far as uh, looking at the behaviors that people exhibit in response to this type of stress and this quarantining and the vaccines, mm -hmm. we haven't known about for, you know, uh, the 1920s. You know, a, a lot of this tech, uh, a lot of this, you know, I mean, along with the other degrees, I also have a master's in psychology. And it turns out that uh, the University of Iowa and Harvard University was the hub of psychology in the United States through World War II. And a lot of that research that went in there <clears throat> literally was, what does it take to make a spy? 
uh, the Best mm -hmm. Buy, what does it take to crack or break down somebody, and what does it take to manipulate somebody? And our government's very, very good at that. You know, our, our, our pre-CIA and, and, and subsequent development of those agencies have just continued to, to fine-tune and, and to watch. And, you know, frankly, um, much of what's been done and, and the behavior responses has been very well laid out in psychology for some time. Go back to B.F. Skinner. He does a great job of, of laying it out. You know, when you're a psychology major, they teach you that the book, uh, the book's only, you know, so tall and, you know, uh, it's a quarter of an inch thick <clears throat> um, that, to teach you how to behavior modify human beings. Uh, and, and, uh, you know, so the last they chose, demonstrated that. Yeah. So Go they ahead. chose to continue forward on their path, uh, with this research and, um, you know, those behavioral tools and modifications they decided to implement to continue <clears throat> forth in their path for their research and their and their uh, goal to make a better human then? Am I following you on that? Yeah, you know, I mean, anytime mm -hmm. you're doing something, you watch the behaviors and the response of the people and you mm -hmm. learn from the people that, you, that you're dealing with. Uh, this is not something new. This is, um, I'll, I'll give you another term that, you know, gets to be contentious, but this mass psychosis hysteria nonsense is not real. This is, this is just a made up term that somebody came up with. It essentially, if you think of it, it says, the people on the other side are so brainwashed that they don't see reality. Well, flip that mirror around and take a look at what they're saying. They're saying that the people on this side of the equation are so brainwashed that they don't understand reality, which means that everybody has mass psychosis, right? Hysteria, or it's not real. And, and the reality is just a term that was thrown together that, that is a good excuse for other people don't agree with you and there must be something wrong with their mode of thinking. That's basically what we always think of people that think differently than we do, right? It's there's something wrong with them. And in the scenario we ran through just a few moments ago, these other people are firmly believe that they're doing something for the betterment of humanity. Now, the reality is <clears throat> it really hasn't turned out that way. I mean, at least in the short term, you know, maybe long term, it might have some benefits for humanity, but this is not the way we've decided to get there. We, we wrote very specific rules, and every time humanity goes through these devastating things and we supposedly learn and we supposedly throw up new rules like the International Covenant on Civil and Political Rights, we won't experiment on people. We're going to inform them of what's going on. We're going to give them the risks and benefits. The, the Biological Weapons Convention Treaty, which actually, if you trace back, goes back into the mid-1800s in the United States, and we started looking at what was going on, and it started initially with chemical weapons. And the United States only signed the Biological Weapons Convention Treaty after we got my generation kicked out of Vietnam, okay? Mm -hmm that this was not our best moment in history. Um, and then we signed it, but then we blocked it from being validated, right? We know that the United States, if, if, if Russia going into the Ukraine has taught this planet nothing, 
other than it has at least taught the world that both Russia, when it had control of the Ukraine, had biological weapon laboratories. And since then, the United States has funded more than 40 biological weapons laboratories. Um, and I'm, I'm not a fan of, of Vladimir Putin, but, you know, if I put myself in his position and, I, and I'm watching my enemy build bio labs on my doorstep, you know, and, and nobody yep. will do anything about it. And, you know, if you want if you want to address the problem, and by the way, if you still want the world to think the United States is the shiny city on the hill, then the United States has to act like it. The United States and its citizens have to look at wrongs that are done by people in our country using our money and our facilities and our our best minds, some of our best minds that have been involved in these biological viral weapons. And we have to, we're we're gonna be accountable one way or the other. <clears throat> Doesn't matter how we do it, we are going to be held accountable one way or another. History is going to write that this country either chose to go down a pathway that we violated the treaties we signed, didn't matter to us whether people died, or we're gonna do something about it. We have lost as many Americans to COVID, 1.1 million, as we have lost military troops since this country started in 1776. We yeah, have all, we have named all, Go ahead. We have maimed over 1.5 million Americans around the on the VERS data set. Doesn't matter whether it's all complete. We have accepted one and a half million maimed Americans, which equals the injuries, the casualties, not the deaths, but the casualties of the US military since this country has existed. We have and accepted 33,600 some odd vaccine deaths, which are more deaths than the United States has lost in every war we have fought, except our five bloodiest wars. <clears throat> we lose more people every week from COVID, the disease from the viruses, mm -hmm. than we lost at Pearl Harbor or Twin Towers. If this is not a message that resonates with the American public, if the American people listening to this podcast or anywhere do not resonate with the death and the harm of fellow citizens and more deaths worldwide than Hitler massacred in his concentration camps, then we are not going to wake up from this. <clears throat> What we did as a group was decide back when I was in the, the Salt Lake City area uh, a few months ago, was I had been talking about getting people to be active and to step forward. I, I don't, I, I do not present at conferences to have people pat me on the back and say, what a great job. I'm almost 67 years old. This is my 55th year of doing research and I know what my voice sounds like. And my perspective on whether I'm doing the right thing or not is not contingent upon a group of people saying, yay, Dr. Fleming. Um, 
It's nice when my kids say it, but they usually say dad. Um, <laughs> so the reality is we, we, you know, my goal here is to, first off, was to figure out what was necessary to treat both the infection and then the disease, if it occurred. Um, then when I put together, you know, treatment regimens based upon uh, what we had for vaccine injuries and the like, and it's all published at FlemingMethod.com. I don't sell anything. I don't, I, I don't even do a good job of promoting the book, you know. <clears throat> uh, and, and the book was designed to just lay out everything for people so they have it. Um, and not to mention to give it to a jury and a grand jury. And, and here it is, take it home, color it, and if you need to, but here's the doc. Um, the, the reality is, um, they will continue to do this unless, unless we stop them. So we sat down and we thought about it and people got very, very active. And, and so we put together a website called 10letters.org. So the number 10 followed by the word letters, L-E-T-T-E-R-S.org. You go on there. I think it's very simple. It's a minute and a half. Um, you go to the bottom of the page, it says, build my letter. It asks for your name, your address, your state. <clears throat> I think it has Alaska in there as a, as a default because that's, that's the first alphabetical state that we have. Mm -hmm. But <clears throat> you can change the state to be your state. Now, that the purpose of that, and there is a box to click if you don't want your name to be seen. Um, <clears throat> the purpose of that is to then paginate a letter to your governor at your state and your attorney general at your state so that you can it'll make the cover letter for you. You download it, you print it, one for the governor, one for the attorney general. And then you go to the top and it says indictment letter, which is a letter about six pages long that I wrote up that lays out the details of what the federal crimes are, what the state crimes are, and the people we're going after, you know. That we know are involved in gate of function. Uh, Davis at EcoHealth, uh, Collins at NIH, uh, Fauci, uh, NIAID, the Department of Defense, <clears throat> um, Bill Gates, welcome, buddy, you got in the list, um, <laughs> and a few other people like that, that we know we have the data on. In fact, for the attorney generals to stand up and do what they're going to do, I have a USB drive with more than 4,800 files. <clears throat> um, so to give you a perspective of what's in those files, when those emails come out that everybody gets so excited about, that's one file, okay? Wow. Because it's wow. one set of documents. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> You're doing all the, the leg point. work for the, <clears throat> for these states and for these uh, politicians and for these attorney generals. So people need to take action. They need to, to fill these out, go to 10letters.org uh, and continue to help you. What, what sort of um, traction have you guys been getting? Cause like I said, you know, here in Florida, they're taking some action. Uh, the attorney general and the governor are taking action. You know, what kind of other traction have you guys been getting on this? We have, um, and I trust that even though my screen is, is frozen, that you're still seeing me move. Um, I am. We have, uh, we're approaching 4,000 letters so far. We didn't have any movement when we started it because it was pre-election. 
<clears throat> and I, everybody said, well, we want, we, you know, people were talking to want to do something about it, but they said, let's get, we want to get reelected first. So um, <clears throat> just as a memory for everybody, these people really like to get reelected, which means that they will respond to the voters saying, we want you to fulfill your oath that you took to hold these criminals accountable. It's been pretty well. And in fact, uh, Texas and Florida and California and Illinois have the most letters in, which I think the purpose for, for explaining that is that this is not a Republican, Democrat, red state, blue state. Absolutely. Everybody is, is involved here. Just a second here. No problem. Everyone has been affected by this. As you said, this is, it's not a party issue. This is a people issue. This is not, and it's not just a people of America issue. This is a global issue. This is a, this is, has affected everyone all over the world. It has. And, and the book lays out and the, and the testimony that I gave, because part of what the link is, is to about a 50 minute deposition that I gave under oath in Texas sworn in by a Texas court reporter, testimony taken by an attorney who has argued before and won before the Supreme Court of the United States. And I certainly had no idea what the questions were going to be. Um, <clears throat> this data goes back over two decades of development. That's clearly not a political party. That's clearly all of them. Mm-hmm. All of them. <clears throat> They've all been involved. They've either allowed it to happen because they gave permission or they allowed it to happen because they turned their head and looked away. Um, The Obama administration can't can't take a free ride on this where there was a moratorium for three years on gain of function because first, it wasn't because he decided to do it. It's because the scientific community stepped forward and said, there is a problem here. We're having too many leaks. There's too much potential risk. We need some items addressed. Secondly, when that moratorium was going on, certain individuals that were involved in the gain of function were written out. They were given exclusion. They were allowed to continue to manipulate and do this gain of function research. So while the good guys weren't doing any gain of function research, the bad guys were still doing gain of function research. Not Um, great. And this is not, uh, so what's the term that they're using now that they came out with the, the Veritas, the the directed uh, evolution. Yeah. Directed evolution, this passage mechanism. That's really what they'd been doing beforehand. That's really not gain of function. You know, passages, you're just putting it in there, you're, you're, you're letting it evolve on its own. Gain of function is you intentionally go in and manipulate, right? Mm-hmm. So one of the things here that's critical to understand, um, the PRA insert, which are four amino acids, which are basically 12 nucleotide inserts, uh, nucleotide-based inserts, that doesn't exist in any of the coronavirus on the planet, but the U.S. government owns the patent to it. Right. And it's mm-hmm. critical to the infectivity of this virus. Right. Yes. Viruses, by the way. Yeah. Um, 
so there, there's that. There, you know, the HIV, like a protein 120 that uh, she's being liquid on early on because the actual attachment site is not the ACE2 receptor, that's the second site. Um, NER5AC, uh, it's a sialic or acid receptor site is what attaches to it, which is why you hear all the talk about HIV <clears throat> because it has the most dangerous component of it, which is the glycoprotein 120. That's something that my friend Luke Montany and I were working on before Luke's passing um, almost a year ago on the 8th of February last year. Um, and, and he and I were working on that. We were concerned about that. We were concerned about um, the fact that that had been done. We were concerned about uh, this, this uh, about Paxlovid, which is a bad idea. <clears throat> it is the same, it does the same thing that the protease inhibitors did to HIV up front, and they only made the disease worse. Um, long, I mean, we, we would have several hour uh, discussion to do that, um, but it makes it worse. Uh, and we were concerned about the vaccines because if you don't believe that gain of function existed, <clears throat> and this was just a naturally occurring virus, if you lived in that fantasy land, mm -hmm or if you lived in the fantasy land of the people who don't believe in viruses, um, don't look behind that curtain over there, little girl, just ignore the Wizard of Oz. Um, if, if, you're, if you're living in that fantasy land, then you, you can actually make a good argument for, okay, so they tried to make vaccines and they just didn't work and there's a bad outcome, but they, you know, they were doing the best, right? But once you understand that what we have is a man-made series of viruses that they gained the function. They made it more infective and more harmful. And what they then did is they took that sequence that they built <clears throat> and they essentially copied it with some corrections for limitations of vaccines. Now, when you look at the vaccines, they look different in your mind because they're encoding for what was illegal in a function, mm -hmm. right? Not to mention that the vaccines, we know that they don't stick in a, in a spot when you inject them. That's just naive. Um, Moderna did an animal study in 2017, before 2017, but it was published in 2017, showing that the lipid nanoparticles from the Moderna MR, uh, in, influenza vaccine, it wasn't mRNA, but lipid nanoparticles went all over the, the animals that were studied, brain, heart, liver, spleen, everything. Um, so anybody who tells you that they didn't know that these things would spread all over the body is either lying to you or on something or doing something else. Um, we know the lipid nanoparticles and the adenovirus itself will cause this inflammatory thrombotic response that I talked about way back in 94. What's that inflammatory thrombotic response? Well, we call it COVID-19, the disease, coronavirus disease, first discovered in 2019. Um, <clears throat> so we know that the lipid nanoparticles, the adenovirus causes that disease. We know that genetic material like mRNA or DNA when it's outside of a cell causes prion disease. 
We know that glycoprotein 120, that's part of the spike protein, causes prion disease, abnormal proteins. So amyloidosis of the heart, Alzheimer's. If you look at the CDC excess death data since January of 2020, there is roughly 330,000 excess deaths due to inflammatory thrombotic diseases, things like heart disease, stroke, cancers, blood clots, those types of things, and about 85 to 90,000 excess deaths of Alzheimer's, a prion disease. We're ahead of schedule. In, in, in June, July of 2021, when I gave that first four-hour conference, four-and-a-half-hour conference in Dallas, you know, I, I said, I, you know, the speculation was based upon the animal models, it would take a year and a half. We're ahead of schedule. Wow. We're ahead of schedule and how fast <clears throat> it is causing these issues, you mean? Yes. <clears throat> yes. And the death and, and harm that's, that's resulting from it. So... <laughs> you know, looking forward then, if we're ahead of schedule and all of that, what are we looking at then? Well, I, I think the answer to what we're looking at is is no longer just focused on these vaccines, mm -hmm. but it's focused on the new vaccines that they're rolling out for cancer and the heart disease and, and, the, and the lung diseases. Um, let me touch on for just a moment the, the fact that, you know, one of the things that we did uh, was we actually took these vaccines and we took volunteers and we took, we drew blood from them. We put mm -hmm. their blood on a microscope slide and we added the vaccines to them to see what they would do. And they do, unfortunately, exactly everything I just said. They turn red blood gray. They take away its ability to hold oxygen. The blood starts to clump right away. So the clumping is the inflammatory thrombotic response. The fact that it loses its ability to hold oxygen means the hemoglobin molecule, the protein, is being damaged by the vaccine. That's the prion effect. Mm -hmm. Um, we're going to present that in the Dallas area here in March at a, at a medical conference. We just published the paper, um, I want to say the 13th of, of um, January. It took, uh, we did this research from September through November of 2021. It took more than a year to get it published. We had to go to 12 journals, mm -hmm. a number of them up turned it down because they said, well, it didn't look like that big a topic for their readers. And uh, maybe in 2020, uh, maybe in 2021, it wasn't, you know, maybe in 2021, it wasn't. But two of the journals in the latter stages literally said that if it, they accepted it and published it, it would cause people to question the vaccine. Now, again, as a researcher in my 55th year, that's my job. Yes. Is to, is to find the truth, is find out what's going on. Actually, my, my mind just simply says I keep, I'm just following the science, and then I'm sharing with everybody as I write a paper, okay? Mm -hmm. um, and I'm sharing with students when I'm in the classroom. But my brain is where am I going next, right? 
Mm-hmm. And I'll I'll tell you after I, I've done my different steps because I'm 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 on my way. Uh, I'm doing my very best to find as much truth about what's going on mm-hmm. as as possible while while I'm still breathing. And and I, I'm relatively healthy, so I'm good. Um, another sixty years is what I'm playing. Um, but, uh, yeah, I forgot where that thought was. Yeah. Just where are we, where are we going? You know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. So the, the next thing is going to be the consequences of these other vaccines, right? Yes. Um, Mm -hmm. and I call them vaccines. I know people don't want to use that term. And I think that the problem is, is that it's interesting. Vaccines, good. These are bad, so they can't be vaccines. No, vaccines, you inject them in the body, they cause a human response. That's basically a vaccine, a vaccine biologics. I think what they should be called and what I call them are gene vaccines because they yeah. carry genetic material in them, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and we, we were talking way back in 2020 about the evidence that showed that uh, <clears throat> just like HIV, these, when the genetic sequences get in cells, they get inserted into into the genetic code. I love to listen to other people out there talking about something. Repeat what I say after I say it, because at <laughs> least it, it it tells me at least they're listening and they're and they're trying to plagiarize what I'm doing. Um, but you know, long interspersed nucleotide elements one or line one takes up about 18% of our genetic code, and it's designed to take material from outside human cells and insert it into human DNA. So clearly there's a benefit for that. We've known this, uh, you know, in cardiology platelets, which help to start blood clotting, are rich in these line one elements. We, we saw with HIV, and I'm good enough that I was a medical student when HIV hit, because I was there when it hit, um, and hit, and hit. Um, <clears throat> We know that CD4 helper cells, which are type of white blood cell, are rich in the ability to reverse transcribe this. So you can call these transposons, you can call them line one elements, um, whatever you guys want to take from what I'm saying, and I'll claim it as your own, that's fine, because at least it's getting the word out there for people mm-hmm. to hear, and they're beginning to, to uh, become more familiar with it. Um, but the reality is, as they're playing this manipulation of the genetic sequences, and a lot of it's using CRISPR technology. The mm-hmm. problem with CRISPR is it's kind of like a shotgun. It's random. It's looking mm-hmm. for a certain sequence. And they're doing that based upon where they know the disease is and the sequences involved. But there's only four nucleotide bases in DNA. And there's four in RNA. There's one shift uh, between the two. <clears throat> And there's only 64 combinations of sets of three, which is how they code together. Those are called a codon, and every codon codes for a certain amino acid. There's only 21 amino acids. Um, So there's only so many combinations. And the reason for pointing that out, other than wanting you to do well on the exam when you take it, um, is that if you, that was a joke. Um, (laughs) if, if If you're looking for a set of sequence, only so many sequences are possible. And if your CRISPR is going in looking for a certain thing and it's doing it randomly, 
it's not going to get every cell. It's not going to get every abnormal area that you're trying to correct. But who's to say that it doesn't get a, a an important area that's necessary to keep you alive that has the same sequence? And if it does okay. that, people will die. Mm -hmm. To give you an idea, um, most babies that spontaneously aborted prior to all of this had maybe one or two nucleotide bases that had shifted. And that's all it took to make them not able to survive. Mm -hmm. Sickle cell anemia is a single nucleotide base shift that changed the amino acid. And that took red blood cells from being able to be normal and carry the best amount of oxygen and carbon dioxide and sickled them, <clears throat> which don't work as well, but they can't be infected by parasites as well. It had a benefit because of that. So you weren't going to be an Olympic athlete, but you might not die, right? Mm -hmm. From malaria. Yes. <clears throat> but that took one amino acid base. And the PRA insert is 12. And Luc Montagnier and myself and Jean-Claude Perez, who was also working on it with him, uh, I have identified 1,771 nucleotide bases in, in the spike protein that uh, match either HIV or simian equivalent wow. HIV, okay? So we're not talking small numbers here. No. But what the reality is that small tweaks like sickle cell anemia have a huge impact. And these guys want to go in, and I would argue they're, they're like kids playing with tinker toys or building blocks or whatever generation you're dealing with. Um, they don't have the knowledge base yet, but they are focused on getting to their end target. And to do that, it's going to help to have a lot of people step up and say, I'll take that cancer shot or I'll take that other shot. Um, because, well, we did this for SARS-CoV-2, right? Mm -hmm. So and if these people, if we don't hold them criminally accountable, what's the message that's been delivered? There wasn't Thank anything you. really wrong about what they did. Mm -hmm. And this is the science. Well, I have news for you. I abandoned my original physics project because I knew what they would do with it. I, I got it far enough to get my, my thesis completed and get my doctorate, but then I didn't take it to the next step where they would have wanted it. And, and that was a major thing that I gave up, but I gave it up because I could see what would be done with it in the wrong hands. Yes. Oh, that takes, <clears throat> Oh, that takes so much to, so much restraint, but, for the greater good, you see the, you see, you see their motives and you see what can happen. Well, you know, and Albert Einstein could have developed the atomic bomb a decade before it was developed and mm -hmm. he chose not to. Um, I heard somebody the other day talk about the Manhattan Project and he said, you know, that was a different era because they put the, they put uh, scientists out there in the desert and left them alone. Um, the Manhattan Project, I just want to get this on the record, wasn't done in the desert. The Manhattan Project was done under the football stadium of the University of Chicago. 
they took the bombs out one and detonated it in the desert. The other, they only had two others. They dropped one on Hiroshima and one on Nagasaki, but it wasn't done in the desert. It was done under the athletic stadium of the University of Chicago. <clears throat> that's that's wild. How do you know that? <laughs> because, well, one, I'm a physicist, um, <laughs> but 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 and two, I've actually I met in my early when I was much younger some of the people involved with that, <clears throat> and number three. It is pretty well recognized. I, it's not. It's no longer. It was quiet then when they were doing it, but since then, I think most everybody, uh, most everybody apparently, except the guy who who talked about it in the desert, um, uh, know about it. I mean, I think you can find it on Wikipedia for crying out loud, which is not which is not your best reference source. No, you know? it's I mean, not. Your Google search is not the equivalent. You know, my when I was in law, a law student, um, we had people that were answering so fast, and I was looking on my laptop at the time, and they were getting their answers from Wikipedia. <clears throat> oh goodness! And I thought, wow, that's pretty gutsy and annoyed me um, to no end. And so I typed a message to the professor, and I said, getting it from Wikipedia. And you do know that Wikipedia is something that most people can change, and we all have the same class assignments. And I'm inclined to go onto Wikipedia and just put some very interesting things on these case laws to see what they'll do. <clears throat> and she let the class know. She said, yeah, for those of you that are doing that, you might not want to do that because you look pretty bad when Wikipedia is what's getting you through law college. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so... Absolutely, but well, in but in this but in this case is right. It was under the 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 stadium at the University of Chicago. You put things out in right in front of people; they won't see it. Yeah, you don't hide it. <clears throat> they went to the desert because they wanted to 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 uh, detonate it there, um, and that was the atomic bomb. We did not have a hydrogen bomb. That's what Hitler was working on, and that's what we dropped on our, our first hydrogen bomb. We dropped on the Bikini Atoll. And they thought they missed the island because they couldn't see it for damage and they couldn't see the island. And then they realized uh, the reason why they couldn't see the island was there was no more island. Yeah, it wasn't there <clears> anymore. Yeah, yeah, it's gone. Oof. But I see the parallels that you were that you were demonstrating there. And um, that's why it's so important. And I think that it was so important to have you on for people to see that there's, that there's the bigger picture. And I love that you guys, excuse me, are, are honing in on the, the gain of function that you're, that you're trying to educate people on and hold people accountable for. So we're going to, we're going to link uh, people to 10 letters.org. What's your book? Tell us your, tell us the title of your book and where else people can find you. Um <clears throat> So the title of the book, which I disagreed with, um, because it says, is COVID-19 a bioweapon? And I wrote, is SARS-CoV-2 a bioweapon? And they said, nobody will know what you're talking about, Fleming. They all think COVID is the virus. So <laughs> it's called, is COVID-19 a bioweapon, a scientific and forensic investigation? And I walk you through chronologically what's happened, where the monies came from, um, the patents, <clears throat> the, the two patents that matter, the published papers that are there, 
um, and, and a variety of other things to lay the foundation for you to understand this is real. We really did do this. Um, and they really published what they did. And if you go and you read it, you can make sense out of it. You're not going to be a virologist, but you know, there's there's this common sense understanding of things. And I, you know, one of the things that um, became very clear to me in life, you know, I've three doctorates and a master's and a bunch of other degrees. But the smartest man and the woman that I ever met in my life had an eighth grade and a 12th grade education, respectively. They were brilliant. They, that, that's all the education they had because, you know, my father was raised during the Depression, so he got through eighth grade and, and worked to help the family. <clears throat> and my mother went through 12th grade and then uh, raised a family with her husband, mm -hmm. my father, obviously. But they were the smartest people that I've ever met. Um, they didn't need the degree. The degree didn't give it to them. The degree, the degree means something. You, you don't, I mean, uh, it means you put in the time and the energy and, and, and expended the learning and the experience, which is critical. But <clears throat> it doesn't make you a good person. And bad people can do things for that, but you can do bad things without the degrees. But, you know, the intelligence that my parents had um, wasn't something that they could get by a degree. You, you either have that or you don't. Mm -hmm. And they were just so intelligent and uh, have always looked at things and, and asked a very simple question um, of what would they have said, you know, when they were alive, what, what would they have said? Would they have raised a question? And if they raised a question, it's, it's well worth having a question raised. <clears throat> Absolutely. 100%. Well, we appreciate you raising the question and, and presenting us with the information and taking us down that path. And we're just so delighted to have you on the show today. And I just want to give people a heads up that we are going to have um, one of the directors from Safe Blood on next week on Faithful Freedom, you know, talking to you were talking a lot about what this does to the blood and they are helping people to get uh, that are unvaccinated to, you know, store up blood for themselves if they are to need it. And so we're going to talk about that with them next week. So thank you so much, Dr. Fleming, for joining us today on Faithful Freedom. My pleasure. Thank you.